welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed, and I'm here today with Nick. Hello. Paul. Hiya. And Claire. Hi. And uh, today we are talking about the topic of inheritance. And I'm aware that at the start of these podcasts, I always start by saying, how do we feel about that that topic? So I'm not going to ask that today. I'm going to ask, how is everyone? We're going to do a bit of a pastoral checkup. How, how is everyone do, doing? <laughs> all right, thanks. Are you all right, Ed? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I think I'm going a bit mental in lockdown this time. Yeah, I feel it. It's, uh, yeah. it's not easy, is it? No. We all thought you'd break before now. It's impressive you've come this far, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you, Claire? I'm well, thank you. Doing well. Good, 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 good. Before we jump into the icebreaker today, I just want to mention the listener group. Um, we really want to know what you guys think about this uh, podcast and about the ideas that we bring up. So we want to engage with you when the podcast is released. So if you just comment in there and we will get back to you with a response. Or if you want to respond to each other, that's even better. That's what we want to do with the listener group. So please comment after listening to this. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Cool. So let's get into our icebreaker question. And today, as we're talking about the theme of inheritance, we're going to go for the prodigal son. And we're going to talk about if we were in the story of the prodigal son, what would we do with our inheritance? What would we run off and spend all of our inheritance on before running back and having a party thrown for us? Can we have a rough amount to work towards? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I can't give you a biblically accurate amount. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's say it's it's two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Right, it's quite a lot of money. That's shoes, lots of shoes. Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds worth of shoes. That'll buy yeah, Nick it's... like four shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a lot of shoes. <laughs> shoes and watches, I think, will probably be the most yeah. part of mine. Maybe okay. a car. Hmm. As someone who is looking at buying a house soon, I think a house would probably be fairly high on the list. But that seems practical. Yeah. yeah. This isn't a very prodigal son moment. So it's I mean, I like cars. So it might be a nice a nice sports car. Which one would you go for? I'm already there. Maybe an Aston Martin. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Because you can't really go on a, a month long bender just by going to get a mortgage part. It's not really work like that. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I would travel as far around the world as I could and try the traditional cake in each location. Oh, really? Nice. Depending on Genius. price of cake and price of travel would depend how far I can go. Yeah. I reckon you could go a long way with that. Would you try and go f- cake? Would you try and go further <laughs> to get more cake or do it in luxury to not go as far? That is a challenge. I reckon as far as I can go to get as many different varieties of cake and see if I can get any advice to know where the best places are to go for the best cake. So luxury is not playing into it at all. It's just cake. Just cake. Quantity. Absolutely. (laughs) Sheer volume of cake. Brilliant. That's good. Yeah, you could. I'm sure you could start a really successful blog talking about international cake escapades. You'd probably make the 250 grand back. Yeah. yeah i'm gonna go I'm doing it do it yeah what about you ed me i think i would just buy a load of like useless st- stuff like <laughs> just you know when you just go out and you th- look at something oh that think that's cool i'm never gonna buy it i'd just buy everything i saw like that and <laughs> waste it on nonsense i'd buy lots of guitars 
uh, half of which probably wouldn't ever get played, would just sit on the wall looking nice. Um, yeah, I think it's just nonsense tech stuff and gadgets. I love gadgets. So just more of what you already buy all the time. Uh, yeah, basically it'd be very similar to my current spending habits, but just times 250,000. <laughs> so I've got today's first question. Uh, my question was around um, inherited beliefs uh, rather than inheritance in a monetary sense. So what I'd want to ask is how much do we, how do we, sorry, how much value do we give to our inherited beliefs? Seven pounds. Seven pounds worth. How do you calculate that? Just out of interest. <laughs> um, with maths. With maths. And sums. Very complex algorithm. Yes. It's a really interesting question. I think um, it's hard to think about until you start thinking and then it all kind of unravels and you, I think it's something that we just let um, let happen, hence inherited, I guess. Um, so it's until you posted it, it's or until we started talking about this topic, it's not something I'd given a massive amount of thought to. Um, what would you class as inherited beliefs? Just so we've got a sort of topic yeah, to work Yeah, maybe another way. By, by inherited beliefs, I uh, uh, originally thinking maybe the things that we get brought up on um the the things that we're told or the things that we kind of are immersed with uh, from a younger age uh, perhaps another way to frame it would be if someone was to um to to present something that's perhaps contrary to our inherited beliefs how much would we feel that we needed to defend it or how much would we accept what they were saying uh, as a, as an alternative uh, I suppose that's probably the lens to look at it through to to determine its value. Hmm. That's really interesting. And I guess when I've talked to people about this topic or thought about this topic in the past, it's always been from the lens of, okay, what can what what needs deconstructing or what what sort of thoughts and beliefs do we need to challenge and grow from and and which ones are actually really, really good and really helpful. And yeah, I, I think uh, for me, I, I find myself often finding a lot easier to challenge those beliefs um, than to kind of give give like praise to the ones or, or to like prop up the ones that are, are good, if that makes sense. So, and I've been thinking like in the build up to this episode about um, what I love from my tradition and what what I love from what I was brought up believing. And I think growing up in the Salvation Army, I was brought up believing a lot about um social action and grew up believing that church should be really active in engaging in in the world and i think that set of beliefs i really value and i i, I don't see in every denomination and it's something i really value in the salvation army so that was the when i read your question the first time that was where my my mind went but i guess where you've clarified there and talked about what how to what extent would we defend it if we if they were challenged i think it depends on which part of the inherited belief doesn't it was that it wasn't just kind of one one or two things it's this whole worldview it's the whole lens through which we see everything isn't it that we're kind of brought up that being instilled in us so there are some parts i think i would defend quite strongly like i guess that social action that um, need for us to be active and responding to god's mission in the world but then there are other parts that i'd be like you know what if you've got a good argument i, I don't really care that's not something i <laughs> uh, yeah can't really necessarily tell at which point it's 
the inherited belief became an owned belief because in terms of a lot of things I grew up with or understood at that point actually I still believe them for myself but actually and there are things even five years ago which I believed at that point which now I don't necessarily believe and recognize that in five years time there'll be things that I don't necessarily believe that I believe now and then working out in terms of the inherited belief in terms of where does it come from does it come within the tradition of the Salvation Army or within a family or friends and what that looks like so yeah so there is the value in that inherited beliefs but I value them because I own them now not because someone told me I should believe that yeah I agree Claire um I've done my usual uh, Google searching and I couldn't find, there was no actual Google definition of inherited beliefs, which was, you know, it, I was distressed for quite a while. I didn't know what I was going to do in the podcast. I thought you were going to say that you Googled Paul Hardcastle's inherited beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't have any of that either. I'm, I'm disappointed. Google have really dropped the ball on inherited beliefs. I've got to be honest. Um, but I did find an article that had a really nice sort of um, sentence that kind of put what I was thinking into into better words than I can put them into. Um, and that's, it's certainly true that a Christian environment makes faith easier, but when all is said and done, the faith must ultimately become personal or it's not valid. Practicing the faith of our forefathers is never adequate. And I think it's the, um, making the faith personal. That's kind of, kind of where that, that gauge is. So I think there are a lot of things that, like I value a lot of things from my sort of growing up in church and my sort of early understanding of what it means to be a Christian. But I guess I value the bits more, the bits that I've I've held on to and, and sort of worked with and grown grown into, I guess. Yeah, it's um it's what you just said, Claire, has made me think and, and yourself, Paul, as well, just as you've expanded on it, that there's it comes a point where inheritance becomes, like you say, becomes ownership or personal or the opposite or rejection of, of that as well. Um, and I guess like the, the first question that we're asking about the, the prodigals, the prodigal son and inheritance in that you can choose to save it or to spend it or what to do or to waste it or to keep it or to make the money go further. It's quite a nice, nice synergy there with, with what we're talking about. So I suppose there's a becomes a choice at the end of inheritance. There becomes a choice to either keep it, own it, or reject it, or expand on it, or modify it, or change it, or you know, there's lots of different options. But it never really stops at inheritance, does it? it inheritance forces some kind of decision making or some kind of action. Hmm. We're obviously within the evangelical tradition of the Salvation Army, and we think about that choice that we make and we recognize that we have to make that personal choice whilst within uh catholicism and orthodoxy in terms of that it's a lot much more about inherited belief you kind of you grew up as a catholic you're a catholic because you're a catholic to some people not because you made that choice it's just that Mm. assumption that that's who i am that's my identity rather than i've made this choice to follow that kind of a cultural thing within that Hmm. yeah i guess there's that that brings up a conversation around there's a really interesting relationship between belonging and believing and i think uh too often we 
we make belonging um, contingent on believing the right things. And um, I, I, I guess that's one of the dangers of inherited faith, that because there is this, in, in a way, within, say, the denomination we're all in, the Salvation Army, for those who, who come into that denomination later on in life, or um, are, are they, do they have that sense of belonging if they don't necessarily, if they haven't grown up with the same set of beliefs? Uh, is that something we're good at? Uh, welcoming people into or welcoming each other into if those sets of beliefs change i find that quite an interesting and i I think we are fairly good in lots of places but um yeah it's it's a difficult one to ensure that even though people are going to change their their understanding of theology understanding of god that shouldn't change whether they're accepted and welcomed in um yeah, and I wonder what whether that what that would be the case with like the Catholicism, like where you say were you born a Catholic or grown up a Catholic? If you then kind of took on some wild theologies and stuff, do you think they would still be accepted as Catholic, or do you think them stepping away from, I guess, the Orthodox would would, would challenge that sense of belonging and identity? We can't speak for the Catholics, obviously, but. <laughs> yeah to expand on that do, do you think there's room for that within our personal situations is, is there a room for perhaps a expanded theology or a different theology to to the one that we've inherited through the church i think there's quite often a lot of judgment from churches on on thinking things are different than than maybe the the wide the wide view if you like um I think um, my, when Ed was talking, then my mind was kind of drawn to Rob Bell. Yeah. Um, and I think we would all agree he's got some pretty out there theology, um, fairly left field. Um. <laughs> Depends where you're starting from, doesn't it? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> but I think <laughs> around the, um, it's, it's fairly, in some ways, quite a long way away from sort of standard views of Christianity and a sort of Methodist Church of England style, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, well, he's been labelled as a heretic, hasn't he? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he's been stripped of titles and ridiculed fairly widespread amounts. Yeah, yeah. Um, for putting out a theology that, that I'm sure he's not 100% on, because I think everyone's figuring things out, and uh, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable to think that. Yeah, it's... It's rubbish, and like I remember when when all that kicked off with Rob Bell releasing Love Wins and questioning the existence of hell, um, and th- there's a famous tweet by John Piper, another theologian in America, who uh, just tweeted farewell Rob Bell after he released it, and just in that acknowledgement that he's he has crossed this invisible line um, that is somehow set out of theology that is deemed unacceptable by. I guess that's American conservative evangelicalism at the time um, and probably still today, to be honest. But um, that's the next question as to whether we think there's room in in our tradition for varied, uh, like for an expansive theology or um, a generous orthodoxy is a phrase that Brian McLaren uses, which I really love. But um, and. Yeah, I think I think there is. You know, I, I talk to different church leaders uh, within the Salvation Army, and I I hear lots of different thoughts on theology, ranging from some of the stuff that Rob Bell talked about to some to, to all sorts of other stuff. And 
I think there's there is huge difference in in theology there. There's differences in what we believe that orthodoxy, I guess, but actually they are centered around the practice of what we do. And we're an organization organization that is a movement centered around what it means to live out being a Christian in the world. And I think that's something I love about this movement that it is something that is centered around a practice, centered around who we are and what we do and we can actually all belong even though there are differences in in theology and obviously that that then becomes difficult when we have a prescribed set of doctrine um how how do how do you kind of hold all of that within that umbrella of we believe x y and z um but yeah i i i feel like it works better in practice than in theory if that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah, Yeah. from my perspective growing up in the salvation army i was like as I grew up, I knew that I was a Christian. I wanted to be a Christian, love Jesus. And therefore I thought that to do that, I had to believe X, Y, and Z. And so I kind of accepted that as a consequence of wanting to be a Christian. And ironically or not ironically, when I went to the Salvation Army Training College to become an officer, that was the time where I realized actually it's okay within the Salvation Army to have these diverse views. And actually that was the place where I found that you don't all have to agree specifically on this this and this there is that range of views and those range of beliefs which do actually fit within the salvation army context so that was really kind of liberating in terms of knowing that and actually not everyone thinks this and i think perhaps we don't necessarily have those spaces to have those conversations about what we actually believe Mm. we kind of either preached at and told what to believe or yeah or within that rather than having that honest space where we can actually say what's in our heart without thinking someone else is going to knock us down for it. So to, to put you on the spot a little bit, Claire, sorry to do this, but um, yeah, I seem to have a habit of doing this. Um, but is there anything that you've, you don't need to go into specifics by any means, but is there anything that you feel like that you've inherited that uh, that you reject and you, you wouldn't feel like you could speak about or, you know, sort of subjects that you would steer clear of for example, or or would you do you feel like you've got that spacious to to preach what you believe wholeheartedly? I think it would probably depend on the context, to be honest. In terms of what I preach on a Sunday, well, anymore. In the old days, we used to start. A- <laughs> <laughs> what I would preach there would probably still be not that I'm saying what I believe is outside the doctrine, but in terms of would be kind of still kind of the mainstream belief or I would avoid it whilst in one-to-one conversations or pastoral conversations I probably would be more open in terms of my more liberal we could call it more liberal views that I feel more comfortable now owning yeah no it's great it's, it's something that we um we me and Ed have discussed and Paul as well today just in passing the, these kind of um ideas so it's great to have you are the resident expert when being a uh uh pastor and preacher so uh, it's professional nice christian yeah so it's good to to be at last that was um yeah it's 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 difficult i guess um i, I find myself with a constant uh tension within um what i believe and what what the overall church believes um and the fact that I, I wouldn't if you asked me to write down my doctrine i'm not sure i'd be able to do it this week but next week i'll probably change it um so for, for me the idea of a 
a doctrine that's 125 years old or whatever and is, is kind of not I don't want to say progress because that's probably the wrong word um but I'm sure you understand what I mean by saying it that's not really moved anywhere I, I find that difficult um I don't know what you guys think I, I watched a, a film the other day called Dogma and I'm sure maybe some of you have seen it um and I'd never seen this, but uh, and it's full of swear words, so I, I, I can't. <laughs> and it's which actually we're talking about soon. We're talking about words and language, which will be interesting. But um, uh, and there's some very questionable theology represented in this film. But there was one line where you have this this guy who is supposed to be the thirteenth apostle, um, and he and he's and he talks to the main character and he says, uh, "We should just stop having beliefs and start having ideas." people go to war and fight and die over beliefs but actually ideas can be changed ideas can be discussed and thought through uh, it's like a loosely held belief and I quite liked that idea that um, you know uh, how tightly should we hold on to our beliefs I guess is is the question how how tightly do we hold on to some of the stuff I guess looking at myself some beliefs I do hold really tightly to and I I probably wouldn't let go with a bit without a bit of a fight but some some there are, there's certainly room like that. Well, a lot more and more these days. More of my um, belief structure is fitting into that idea, of that 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 section of ideas that I'm willing to actually hear other other ideas and other thoughts on. And you're trying to get into a place, and I mentioned it a little bit last week, where everything's on the table. So there's nothing that I'm going to grip onto. Uh, I said that there's there's a few fundamentals that I don't think you can. Uh, that you can let go of but but for the most part as far as the nuance and the, the intricacies of it I really it's really hard to do just put everything out onto a table and and then let's have a proper go through it because I, gen, I really believe that the truth will stand that the truth will be true whatever it is whether that's what I what I have believed for 30 odd years or whether that's a new idea that's, that's just been developed or a new a new idea to me sorry that's just been developed uh in my own thinking um and that's that's difficult i guess that's, that's a little bit linked into what we said last week the stage of life that i find myself in but um i think i'm a little bit behind most people with that i think i've, I've lived a lot with not really questioning too much about faith theology ideas politics um but now now i've started it's almost insatiable to to stop to not just go through everything with a fine tooth comb and and see what what holds up i guess that the bible says itself test everything doesn't it and actually you know if we like you say i i agree that i think truth holds up and truth will if you examine everything and um ask questions of it actually that that which is good will, will will stand up i guess there's a danger of what what spirit are you going into this examination with are you looking for for problems or are you looking for truth or um yeah i i don't know it's it's hard i think it, all you can do is to try your best to go into it with an open heart as you can when you're questioning things like that yeah um, absolutely and- it has to just be about the truth doesn't it at the end of the day that's, it's just got to be a search for the truth yeah and I, I do i i find myself frustrated like i said like with the rob bell saga um but just with a general reluctance of people not to talk about difficult topics hmm. because i feel like there's a lot of people that would say they've got a strong faith but are scared to talk about things that they might get questioned on and i, I don't really understand that as a person who likes to have this kind of discussion 
this is where I grow and this is where I learn and I test what I think against other people's thoughts. And if it doesn't stand up, then it doesn't stand up. And like you say, Nick, I'm happy to be wrong if it means I'm moving in the right direction. Do you think that's where, where it stems from, that, that reluctance is that willingness to be wrong? I'm not sure. I think it's probably different for, for different people. I think some people would just find it offensive that someone's calling out their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' mm. parents' parents' belief systems. But um, but I think something everything needs to be tested, like you say, and we need to question um, everything that everything that we do. Because if we don't know why we're doing it, that's more dangerous than than anything else, really. I definitely think you're right there, Paul. It's really interesting that the moment it stops being about defending it to other people and it starts becoming defending it to yourself, suddenly you want to have the conversation with other people. It works in a really backwards way so that the less sure you are about it, the more you want to debate with people who believe the opposite. Um, certainly for me anyway, because um, that's, how, that's how you grow knowledge and understanding, isn't it, just by debating and always listening to both sides of each argument and, and testing and trying and seeing where it's at but uh, yeah this idea of inheritance is, is really come at a, a time for me where I've I, I guess the de- deconstructing is a word that kind of gets thrown out quite a little bit um, but I suppose that's what it is just pulling everything down and starting again from a foundation that I believe to be solid rather than having some kind of flaky idea that I think I believe but I'm not really too sure if someone asked me about it. I was reading the story of Jesus speaks um, to the Samaritan woman at the well earlier and and there's a verse I came across which kind of fits in with where we're going and it said because obviously so Jesus spoke to the woman at the well and then she went back to tell people all that he'd told her and then a verse says we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. And there's that thing where they were introduced to the idea of Jesus by what someone else had said, but it was then only through that encounter themselves that they realised it in terms of, as Nick was saying, as we deconstruct our faith, it's because we have that experience, not because someone said you should believe this. Someone could say we should believe anything, but unless we experience it, that actually there is no foundation, is it? Foundation in it. Yeah, I think that's... That's really important. And it brings up this idea of weighing experience and tradition. Um, and we, before before we um, started recording, we were all talking about uh, the fact that this conversation will inevitably lead to something called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And um, yeah, I think maybe we might get onto that into the next question. Yeah, so my question is... Um, is there any assumed theology or assumed beliefs that we've inherited, but um, we've since questioned? Um, so I think to give you an example of what I mean, um, I've already spoken about the sort of Rob Bell and the way that it was handled in terms of um, kind of shoot, basically shooting him down for having a different thought. Um, and it made me think then about how we, we sometimes, if, we, if people don't subscribe to our beliefs, even though, like I think he said that earlier, it's um, it says in the Bible to test test yourself. Um, that we we don't really do that, and we don't test each other and um, call each other out in a positive way to sort of spark debate. And that's something that I think, from my belief system, I've questioned and thought actually, I don't think that we do it the right way. 
So I just wonder if anyone else has any sort of examples, maybe. Yeah, definitely. This whole um, this whole journey that I've been alluding to um, started for me by reading a book, um, which is by Steve Chalk, um, and it's called the I can't remember what it's called. Lost Tran- Lost Translation. Lost of Paul, message maybe? of Paul. Lost message of Paul. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he, he, the kind of the foundation of the book uh, really lies in uh, a translation of um, of the term Pistis Christu, which is is interpreted as um, faith in Christ. Um, but he uh, determines that it probably more likely is the faithfulness of Christ. So we, we're saved by the faithfulness of Christ rather than faith in Christ. So that then kind of cascaded on reading more books i've read the, the book that you mentioned paul uh, love wins by rob bell um and that follows on basically i mean if i was going to put it out there my own personal belief um would be against a notion of hell um full stop uh, i think looking at the bible as with an all loving father i can't believe that that people are then born just to go to hell um, so I'd happily, I'd really love a debate on this actually in the, in the listener group. It'd be really interesting to see what other people think. Um, but that is, I mean, it's, it's a fairly core and fundamental uh, belief, I think. And, and to to deconstruct that and to, to reassemble it, it's taken a lot of, um, uh, there's a term that one of the radio presenters uses, calls, he says um, mental gymnastics. And it, it's, it's been a lot of that. It's been a lot of wrestling uh, a lot of study, a lot of research, um, dipping into what the, the grammar of ancient Greek and all these kind of things. Um, that's just just one small thing that that becomes a, a bigger lens at which you you read the Bible and, and see the the nature of God. Um, so I, I mean, for some people hearing that will probably make sense of some of the previous episodes as to where I've approached uh, a lot of my thinking from. Um, but then that, I mean, that expands further. There's, there's lots and lots of other examples I could give that um, I'm still developing, some that I'm fairly sure of, but probably shouldn't say. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that, that's my own personal experience. Uh, and, and I really believe that uh, I view the world, I view God in a much more positive light because of that um sort of questioning of, of, mm. of, of a belief that has kind of been taught since, well, since ever, since I can remember is the idea of heaven and hell and, and good and bad. And you, you make the choice to believe in Jesus and then you go to heaven. And if you don't, you go to hell. And I, and I think the more I've explored that, the less I believe it's true. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good example, Nick. And we could, like you say, I mean, I'm sure you've spent quite a lot of time thinking and pondering over that. Um, I'm sure we could have a really long episode on the actual topic. Um, but I guess sort of following on from that, the question I've asked is what what led you to question, I guess, your beliefs in general? Do you think what, is it a specific sort of thing? Did you decide one day you're just going to question all of your beliefs and see what's stuck or? Not at all. No, I think I, I've, I'm kind of, um, I guess I've, I've got to a place where I'm, um, but you might call it old age. You probably would call it old age. Um, where I think it's just a reluctance to accept things as they are. I think certainly in my personal life as well, just exploring things that I probably stayed away from, maybe being fearful to 
explore ideas of emotions and love and all these kind of things and that's kind of moved me towards well particularly when you look at love like fundamentally god is love um and that's one thing that i mentioned earlier that that would be one something that's not on the table that's definitely a, a held belief that i would certainly throw hands for um <laughs> in christian love of god um but yeah i think it was kind of a combination combination of a lot of different things that that just brought me to a place where i thought well what you know what first of all what's true and 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 i'm really in a in a, a massive sort of dash and, and dashing and grab to, to the truth really that's what's become really really important to me and that then then that as you start to ask questions as a result of that as to you know what is this truth in who i am what's the truth of who god is what's the truth of the bible and the message in there what's what's the truth of, of jesus um so yeah I, I suppose that's probably what led me to to where i am and um yeah there's, there's some things that have developed and some things that have very much stayed the same and some things that i've not even got the capacity to even touch yet so um, I don't believe this would be anything other than a, a lifelong journey uh, and mm. I wouldn't pretend to have all the answers at all but uh, certainly some some subjects that have enough to have a debate certainly and, and I think it's really helpful helpful that we discuss these things and try to understand each other and, and how we arrive at certain conclusions and, and biases and develop thinking collectively as well as personally. Yeah and I, I like um, when you were talking there about reading like other people's thoughts and i think for me i remember the um re like reading some of those books like that steve chalk book that you mentioned and just reading people from other traditions who have different backgrounds who uh, understand faith in a very different way to me and like uh richard raw um who kind of is comes of the catholic tradition uh reading like some rob bell over in america because that 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 context is very different to the UK. Uh, look at Steve Chalk. You look at uh, Rachel Held Evans. You can look at all these different people that are writing in different styles and um, and writing from different perspectives. It can only stretch your mind and stretch what you believe because the reality is not all Christians think the same as us. And um, if that were the case, it would be quite sad. And then you learn about like the um, orthodox, like the um, Eastern Orthodox Church and kind of yeah. the, their understanding of theology and that is so drastically different and when Nick was talking about um, kind of the existence of hell and that's kind of been a big one that I know we've spoken about a lot um, um, kind of when the recording stopped <laughs> um, <laughs> in all honesty um, and we've kind of thrashed that through together and that's something that I think once you start questioning a key issue like that it's like dominoes where you can't talk about that without talking about free will and you can't talk about free will without talking about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And suddenly you've got like this, this stream of theology that you've, you've questioned one little bit and then you're going through and it knocks everything else over. So like you said, that it is that insatiable chase for, for, for truth. And um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it is lots of fun, but I imagine for some people it can be really dis destabilizing as well, especially if at that starting point when you when you're reali realizing that perhaps you don't fully agree with everything that you've brought up on, or you see some inconsistencies. Like you, you kind of have those those 
juxtapositions of a, of a, a God who is love and an eternal conscious torment of hell. That is a difficult one to get round. And for some people, the mental gymnastics of making that fit and making that work will be easier than the mental gymnastics of erasing hell. <laughs> um, and it's really, you, I can see why people go both routes. Um, and it, it's hard. I I know when, um, I, when Rob Bell released Love Wins, I, well, not at the time, but a few years later, I, I read it and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I, I, he's got me, uh, definitely. And then Francis Chan released Erasing Hell, which is kind of like a response to it where he gives the other side. And I bought that on a website called Aid Books and it arrived and it was an, a CD, <laughs> not a book. <laughs> it was the audio book. So I haven't listened to it, but I've read uh, like little excerpts on it and that kind of challenged um, the other side of it. So yeah, it's it becomes an issue of how do you weigh up these issues and how do you approach finding the truth in that? And we spoke a little bit earlier about, well, I briefly mentioned the Wesleyan quadrilateral, um, but I think maybe it'd be a good thing to just discuss that a little bit uh, to talk about how how we fit ourselves or how do we use that as a tool. Uh, Paul, you've got a cool Google image, haven't you, that you can talk us yeah, through to I couldn't find that. anything on, on Google, so of course... Google Professor Images had Google. to come next, and then I've got what I could from there instead. Google Image, yeah, the famous podcast resource. Obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm making a habit of using images for podcasts, but paint a picture with your mind, if you will. Um, story time with Paul. Um, so, yeah, the Wesleyan quadrilateral um, typically is a quadrilateral, so unsurprisingly. Um, and I guess it's seen as a bit of a balancing act between four points, um, scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. And those four different points coming together to form an understanding based on what what you've read in scripture, what your mind sort of logically dictates, and tradition, what other people have said before or done before, which is kind of what we're talking about today more than anything, and experience. Um, and those formulate, a, I guess, a decision in, in your mind, and that's the to, to balance those, the Wesleyan quadrat quadrilateral says that we should balance those as much as possible to come to a sort of I guess a fair conclusion um the the image that I found actually kind of suggests we should more underpin that with scripture and that reason tradition and experience should sort of um sit on top of that on top of what we know from scripture which is obviously something that we'll have to evaluate with the Wesleyan quadrilateral I don't know (laughs) How do you make decisions you're making about how to make decisions? That's just questions upon questions. Do you have a favourite of of those four? Of that, uh, is that reason, tradition, experience, and scripture? Is there one that you jump to? Like, oh, that's a great question. Straight away, I think um, naturally, as a person who likes to debate, and I would say probably quite a logical thinker in my thought process, I go to reason, um, and then maybe scripture next um but i guess you i guess I, maybe i underpin everything with experience because if if everything doesn't sort of match up in my own experience if i sort of even if i reason something that sort of doesn't match my experience i will question that a lot more heavily um sitting on the fence paul what's that sorry you're sitting on the fence yeah as, <laughs> as i'm well known to do <laughs> It's the logical um, choice, isn't it? It's the logical choice, yeah. I'm covering my bases. Maybe I'm just perfectly well-balanced, Nick. How about that? You must be, mate. Much more well-balanced than me, for certain. 
<laughs> I think I would probably put tradition at last on that. Um, so I'm on the fence, but leaning away from tradition. Okay. What about you, Ed? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm probably reason as well. Uh, I think that's the one I jump to. I think I like to make things, I like to draw up little things in my head and get things to fit like a jigsaw, get it all like working. And, but then I also, I, in my head as well, they're so, I can't view the world apart from my experience is one thing. The lens that I have is the lens that I have and I can try and view from other people's lens, but I'm just viewing their lens through my lens then, aren't I? So um, it's, I can't escape who I am. So therefore my experience is imprinted on everything else. Um, and that, that is so, not so necessarily a bad thing, but that's just the way it is. And it's just something to be aware of, I guess. So I, I guess the thing about scripture is, you know, you can, you can make scripture say whatever you want. Scripture has been used to start wars and end them. It's been used to justify slavery and to abolish it. It is, um, there's what, like tens of thousands of denominations that all claim to have a theology that's directly taken from scripture. And that, that why that is a hugely wide field. So I'm not saying scripture is irrelevant. It really isn't. I think it's really important, but the, the, the lens through which we view scripture changes it and if we have an agenda and what we want it to say we can make it say it so there there has to be this balance and I, I that's why I quite like this quadrilateral was actually there are there are different things that we need to consider when we're interpreting scripture when we're thinking about these issues and um yeah I, I the one thing that I find missing is actually the person of Christ in that and like you could argue that we only access the person of Christ through scripture but I don't think that's the case I think we have that the spirit within us who can help us gu- help guide us in these issues and maybe that that is part of the the wider context of this wesleyan quadrupentilateral i don't know <laughs> i think that um that that spirit guidance is experience for me i think that's where i would put experience at the top for me i, I find that really easy to rank actually i got experience then reason um and then I'd go scripture and then tradition towards the end. Um, but it's also Im- important to add um, that, I mean, some of the ideas that I was talking about earlier are not new ideas, although it seems they've debated more now. You can go back to Christian universalism right back to the third century. So we're looking like a long, long time ago. So this, this is um, nothing new there. So you could argue that there's actually a tradition for that as well, mm. um, which is, yeah. that's a, an, an extra dimension i suppose the tradition can go either side there'll be two sides to tradition either the one that we um follow and the one that we reject i suppose and i guess as well we need to acknowledge that the tradition that we grew up in isn't that old either (laughs) and um that that understanding of theology understanding of god didn't just come out of nowhere isn't directly what the disciples viewed um viewed life that's not how they viewed life it's it is something that has evolved over these 2000 years. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, Claire, which one do you lean towards? So as, as with Nick, my first, it's totally experience and thinking about experience, but then ironically, I was looking in my Salvation Army song book. I thought of um, a song, song, which says, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. 
And I've always kind of thought that in terms of we can have debates and arguments about scripture, about reason, about tradition, and we can have debates about our own experience. But actually kind of the most powerful thing in terms of having a conversation with someone about faith, about Jesus, they cannot deny your story. They can add different perspectives on your story. But in terms of if we have that experience of faith, of God, of Jesus, it's a lot harder for someone to knock that down than potentially our, our reason and our scripture. And actually the conversations we can have, we, we want to be challenged on our scripture, don't we, sometimes? And we want to be challenged on our reason. We want to be challenged on those traditions that we hold. But in terms of sharing that story and sharing our experience, that's the, at that point, that is what truth is to us. And thinking back a couple of minutes, five minutes ago, and thinking about truth and what truth looks like. And I think in terms of looking at scripture and truth, I recognise that there is the Bible is true. I used to think that for it to be true or to believe it is true, I had to think that creation happened in seven days, that Jonah was in the whale, that Noah was on the ark. That's right. Yeah. Um, but actually recognising that those factual events may or may not have actually happened actually there's still truth within that mm. yeah the original question experience that's what i should <laughs> say is love that love that claire yeah i think you're absolutely absolutely right and particularly when you're talking if you're talking amongst peers yeah nobody cares really too much about um scripture or, or often sometimes reasonable debate or the tradition of uh a hundred year old church but people do care about your story people care about what you've got to say and how you've experienced things um and i think that's the most the most powerful tool when we're talking about you know why why is it that living a christian lifestyle or, or following the way or however you want to term it um why is that a good thing i think your experience is is probably the one that speaks most to people in 2021 where um life's changed so much since the beginning of the salvation army even more since the you know beginning of the church i mean if you look at what's happened in the last 125 years it's like mind-blowing the, the advances but what's really relevant to people today is your story and your experience of uh, of those things i guess so i suppose that's why i'd i'd, I'd rate it higher than than the others because i, th I think it's um like you said it's the lens that we see everything through but also i think it's if you were to lend somebody that lens to have a look through, it's probably the easiest or the most accessible way to, to access that. It's been great to share together in terms of thinking about what is our inherited beliefs. We've run out of time for now, but we're going to put a question in the, the listener group, thinking about something from scripture. In Joshua 24, verse 15, it says... Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So have a think about what it means in our families today, in our households today, to serve the Lord as a household. So hopefully you've got some thoughts on that. So be happy to share that in the listener group. We'll put our ideas in there as well. Yeah, thanks, Claire. So please do join us in the listener group and share your thoughts there. Um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.